0: increasingly described based on scientific data, is that menopause, the menopausal transition in particular, might be a time where women's brains become more vulnerable to the changes that could become Alzheimer's later.
1: Welcome back to Mind What Matters. Good morning, Annie. Today, we are talking with Dr. Annie Fenn. She is an OBGYN and the founder of the Brain Health Kitchen, and she is also our board member. And every week, we are doing little brain bites with her on various topics. And today, we are talking about women and Alzheimer's and menopause and paramenopause. So we're just going to dive right in. Hi. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's always so good to see you, Annie. Um, We really wanted to talk to you about menopause because as you probably know this statistic way better than I do, women are two-thirds more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and in particular after menopause. And so I think that in general, there's a lot of questions surrounding that. You know, is it the drop in hormones? Is it the changes that happen to our body after menopause that can sort of trigger Alzheimer's disease? What do you think? What are your thoughts on the subject?
0: Well, it's such a great topic. And as you know, I, I specialized in menopause for about seven years when I was practicing as an OBJN before the whole Brain Health Kitchen era. And you know, it's as you know, Alzheimer's is a multifactorial disease, meaning there's lots of different things going on, and mm-hmm, there's several mm-hmm. different recognized routes to creating an environment that could set you up for Alzheimer's later in life. Now, one that's becoming more and more um, increasingly described based on scientific data is that menopause, the menopausal transition in particular, might be a time where women's brains become more vulnerable to the changes that could become Alzheimer's later.
1: Wow, I didn't know that.
0: And I'm not saying to make people worried because all women go through menopause at some point in their lives. right? But what we're finding is that you know when your hormones start to fluctuate a lot during mm-hmm. the perimenopausal transition, which on average for most people lasts about seven years, these hormonal fluctuations trigger biochemical changes in the brain that mess up the way we use energy. It's called a bioenergetic crisis in the brain. Like normally, the brain uses a lot of glucose as its primary fuel and changes in estrogen especially, can disrupt this glucose metabolism. That leads to amyloid plaque being more likely to be built up in the brain. We have this on studies done by Dr. Mosconi and some other people looking at MRIs of women's brains going through menopause, comparing them to women not going through menopause, and also comparing them to men's brains. So a lot of these hormonal fluctuations might trigger something downstream that makes the brain much more vulnerable.
1: So are you saying that these changes are happening even before menopause, the seven to ten years before menopause and perimenopause?
0: I'm saying that
1: the the
0: perimenopausal transition is something that you that all women should take notice of.
1: You know, women let's let's talk about what that is real quick, because a lot of people don't even really know what that is. I actually just heard that that term for the first time at my 40th uh, checkup, which is, you know, not a phrase I was expecting to hear exactly. It sort of hit you like a ton of bricks, but I guess I'm there, you know? I mean, I'm definitely like reaching past the childbearing years and, and into the next phase, but it's sort of the, it's the lead up, if you will, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's the transition. So first, a definition on menopause. Menopause is defined as when you have not had a period spontaneously for one full year.
1: Oh, see, so it's not just the first time you start bleeding. It's like you're officially done. It's been a year
0: because as most people, women know who have gotten through it, you know, you stop and then you might have a period in six months and then you might not have anything for eight months. And then you have another one. So it's one full year without a spontaneous period. That's defined as menopause. Now, perimenopause is the transition period leading up to that last menstrual period. Okay, And it starts whenever your hormones start to change. So When you're on birth control pills, obviously you won't notice this because the pill regulates you to be completely the same pretty much every day of the month um, during that. So hormonal contraception is an exception to this, but women who are not on the pill or any other type of hormonal regulation, Mm -hmm. they will start to notice changes in their cycle length first. And this often starts in your thirties. You might notice after having a baby in your mid thirties, you come back and all of a sudden you have a 21 day cycle instead of a 25 day cycle or a 25-day cycle instead of a 28-day cycle. That is the beginning of perimenopause. Women also start to notice more symptoms with their periods and before. So the premenstrual phase might have some exaggerated PMS symptoms. Mm -hmm. You might get hot flashes during your period. You might have this total breakdown in energy. You know, again, it's like this bioenergetic um, crisis that's happening in the brain from dipping estrogen levels. And all of this really becomes more apparent when perimenopause
1: starts. So no wonder we're in bad moods. This is horrible. Like, I mean, really what's going on inside a woman's body in this time is, I mean, it's like a true, like almost like a spontaneous combustion of just like all kinds of things going crazy in the brain at once.
0: It's dramatic. It's dramatic. Neurological symptoms are the ones that, in my experience, my patients will complain about the most. You know, they can lose, women can lose sleep. Women are super tough and resilient, as you know. They can lose sleep. They can tolerate a lot of pain. Um, But, you know, when your hormones start to crash, you become, you know, like bone tired, right? Mm -hmm. And your hunger and all your appetite mechanisms are off. And so sometimes it's hard to stick to like, you know, the way you want to eat for health. And it's, it's just a really difficult time to and manage. Your, and your
1: memory, your memory definitely changes. I mean, I've already, I had a friend um, just like last week who told me that she had gotten the vaccine and we talked about it. This was before I had gotten my first dose. And she told me all about like where I could go to get it and all this stuff. And after the day after I got my vaccine, I called her to tell her, I was like, oh, I found a place, you know, it worked out. I got it. You should, you should try this. And she goes, Liz, I already told you that. I got the vaccine. We talked about this. And Annie, I'm not kidding. I had no recollection. It really, it scared me at first because I I thought, oh gosh, you know, like, is this the first sign? Is it happening to me? And I think so many women go through that in menopause. So many women
0: go through that. And, you know, just like Alzheimer's itself, these memory lapses in perimenopause are multifactorial. They may be from not getting enough sleep. They may be from having a lot of stress going on. And they may be from a direct effect of your hormone changes on your brain.
1: That's so scary. So how nope. do you really how do you know how do you know like okay, I think I'm in perimenopause. I think I need to talk to my doctor. Are there things that you can do or like a way that you can eat to sort of ease these symptoms in addition to maybe doing some hormone replacement or you know kind of whatever your doctor advises? Absolutely. I mean, there's no other time in life
0: when a personalized approach working with a physician or another healthcare provider is important. It's the most important thing right now is to take it as a personalized approach because everyone has a different array of history and genetic predispositions that make them um, amenable to different treatments. Okay. Right. The good news about all this craziness about menopause in the brain and Alzheimer's concern is that there's so many things you can do if you just recognize that you are entering perimenopause that you go and talk to someone who's well-versed in hormonal fluctuations in women and the brain. That could be your OBGYN or it could be a reproductive endocrinologist who is more specialized in that. And then start to identify what is happening to you personally and what are the things you can do to change it. The good news is the things that you can change these symptoms during menopause are the same things you can do to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's later. So paying attention to diet, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the brain healthy diet is basically the same diet I used to recommend for women going through menopause because it's high in fiber, it's low in sugar, it's high in healthy fats. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of phytonutrients in the plant foods. It's largely plant-based. And for all of these reasons, you're feeding your brain the type of fuel that it needs to get through menopause. And these are the same foods that have been shown to reduce age-related cognitive decline, like Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Exercise is the other thing. You know, women, I know when they start to go through menopause and they don't feel well, they often don't wanna exercise either, you know, because it's that brain drain and it's that bone, you know, that that bone chilling, you know, tiredness that people get. Um, But you have to fight that and you have to exercise at least 150 minutes of aerobic exercise a week. That could just be a brief walk and you could do it in 20 minute increments. You don't have to go out and run a half marathon.
1: You can do that too, if you'd like. I'm certainly crying.
0: (laughs) You can do that, Liz. (laughs) And the other thing to know is that you know, clue into your hormones. Um, There are studies that have been done in the last couple of years about you know the amount of estrogen that you get exposed to over your life and your risk of getting something like Alzheimer's later okay mm-hmm. so the the overall big picture here is that estrogen is basically good for your brain and the okay. more time the more months and years in your life that you have been exposed to estrogen the less likely you are to get dementia so okay. this means that if you went through a early menopause that could be detrimental to your brain
1: because yeah, and I want to ask you a question about that next, but how are you defining early? Like what age?
0: Early menopause, natural early menopause is, is defined as before the age of 40. Most oh. women experience, which is quite rare, it's thought to be some form of autoimmune disease like thyroid disease where the ovaries stop producing estrogen.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: the most common you know, early menopause is when women have a hysterectomy and they have their ovaries removed as
1: well. That was going to be my question is what happens when, let's say, you know, a lot of people suffer from endometriosis and that's, you know, commonly the first straw, you know, that doctors will or go to and to pull to say, okay, well, let's just take everything out. And um, there's another medicine that you can take, I think that sort of acts like menopause, mm-hmm. but it's medically induced. Is it Lupron? Uh, Lupron. Okay. I can't believe I got that right. Um, so let's say, you know, you're 35 years old and you're done having children and your doctor says, all right, let's try Lupron. It's you know easier than surgery. It'll act like menopause in your body. What kind of risks are you putting yourself in if you're, if you're doing something like that and kind of what can you do to offset that? because a lot of women have to do this you know if they have cancer, certain types of breast cancer, you know they don't really have a choice. They have to take everything out if they're if they're very young. But obviously I know that it does create you know substantial risk but what do, what do you recommend for that?
0: Well, it's always a personalized decision. I mean women don't undergo loss of ovaries early in life for endometriosis lightly, right? You only do that if you're in so much chronic pain that there's nothing else that really works. So most of the time when, you're, when you use a treatment like Lupron, it's a temporary menopause. Oh, you know, it's, okay. It's injectable um, agonist of GnRH, which actually tricks your body into thinking that you're menopausal. So it's not permanent. And sometimes women can also take estrogen therapy with their Lupron, it's called add back therapy. And mm-hmm. so Lupron brings your, your hormone levels down to that of a postmenopausal woman. Um, which treats the pain, right? When we're talking right. about endometriosis. And then when you start to get a lot of symptoms like hot flashes, memory loss, things of that nature, you can add back in a little bit of hormone therapy. So that's one, that's one way that it's, it's done. But I guess my message about ovaries is that I've done my share of hysterectomies and I would never undertake um, taking out someone's ovaries lightly. I would never do it just because, oh, you don't need them anymore, you're almost menopausal. Or, oh, maybe you'll get ovarian cancer, we don't want you to have that. Because there are real risks with early removal of the ovaries, you know, Alzheimer's risk is increased, osteoporosis is increased, cardiovascular disease is increased. All of these things are increased if you lose your ovaries early. So conversely, if you're someone who goes through a late menopause, the average age of menopause is about 51 and a half. Let's say you didn't go through it until 55. That's actually really good for your brain and your bones and your heart. And it bodes well that your risk of Alzheimer's is going to be slightly less decades later. Man, so now where, this gets, now, where this gets all really confusing is the issue of hormone replacement therapy, right? Yeah,
1: you took the words out of my mouth. That was my next question.
0: Yeah, so you know, is is hormone? Does hormone replacement therapy reduce your risk of Alzheimer's disease? I mean, some studies say that it actually does by as much as forty percent. This is new data that came. Forty
1: percent
0: in certain people. So the really the key thing here is we had a used to have a saying in, in gynecology when it comes to hormones. Early good, late bad. Okay? So really all good, the beneficial bad. aspects of taking hormone therapy happen if you take it early in the menopausal transition.
1: Okay? So like during perimenopause
0: or as soon as you can identify that you're menopausal basically. And all of the most of the risk like heart attack, stroke, Um, blood clots, things like that, they tend to happen to people that have waited five years or more from menopause until they start their hormone therapy. And this is what we're seeing in the cognitive data with Alzheimer's disease and hormone therapy. The earlier you take it, the better it's going to be for your brain. And whether or not you stay on it for a long period of time is really an individual decision between you and your physician.
1: Is there a way to check, um, like let's say you're let's say like me, you've had an ablation, which means you know essentially either you you don't have a period anymore or if you have one, it's much, much lighter than normal. But let's say you're one of the 40% that it goes away totally. So you have no clue what your periods are doing. Is there a way for your doctor to test where your hormone levels are to see if you're in perimenopause? Absolutely. I mean, perimenopause
0: is a moving target. Your hormones are going up and they're going down. They're going up and they're going down. And someone who's had a hysterectomy or an ablation, um, don't have that cue of having menstrual flow. So it's even more confusing, right? Yeah. So if you do just say like an estrogen level in a perimenopausal woman, your guess is as good as mine. It's going to be like a high day or low day, right? So take
1: your blood multiple times.
0: Nope. It's not really just a, it's not a reliable test in a perimenopausal woman, is what I'm saying. There is another test called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. An mm-hmm. LH luteinizing hormone. These are the blood tests that go sky high once you already become menopausal. Okay. okay. And so that is a much better test. That with an estradiol level um, in someone who's actually has stopped bleeding for several months or up to a year, or someone who doesn't really know what's going on because they've had a hysterectomy. But I, you know, I can almost, I could almost always tell it when someone was perimenopausal versus menopausal just by talking to them without even doing any really? tests. Yeah, and the way you can help your doctor figure that out is just keep a symptom diary. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate, but you know, you can figure out where you are on your cycle probably after a couple months of just jotting down a few symptoms.
1: Where where does this hormone replacement therapy? Like I've always personally always heard the term, I've never actually known what it was. Do you just start taking birth control pills again like later in life or is it like something different is it just an estrogen pill is it a patch like what is hormone replacement great, therapy great
0: question so birth control pills are really high in both estrogen and progesterone and these are just synthetic hormones and when you're when you're still menstruating and still fertile your body needs a really high level of these two drugs to th- trick your body into thinking that you're pregnant That's why a lot of women don't like being on a birth control pill. They get sore breasts, they feel pregnant, you know, Mm -hmm. they feel bloated, blah, blah, blah. um, Because it's high levels of estrogen, high levels of progesterone, tricking your ovaries to stop cycling. Okay. Okay. When you are menopausal and you no longer need protection from getting pregnant because your ovaries are no longer making enough estrogen to get you pregnant and, and create, you know, a follicle, et cetera then you don't need so much estrogen and progesterone. It's thought of as like a replacement dose. So most pills are about five to 10 times more potent than what you would take as as hormone replacement therapy. Okay. And that's a really important point because um, you wanna be, you know, when you're menopausal and you're taking hormone therapy, you wanna be on the lowest dose that treats your symptoms.
1: Sure, so you don't raise your chances for breast cancer, right?
0: That's one reason, yes, absolutely.
1: Wow. So, I mean, it sounds like if you maybe are able to do that, and I know that some people won't be able to, you know, if they have a family history of certain types of cancers, you know, that's not a great idea for them. So always, you know, check with your doctor first, you know, before going on anything. But it sounds like it could really ease some of the symptoms. And then it also sounds like making sure your diet is really healthy and, you know, plant like largely plant based and lots of good oils, lots of good leafy greens, eating the rainbow. Those are all things that are going to ease the symptoms too.
0: Absolutely. I would follow the mind diet guidelines and I have an article on my website I can refer your listeners to. I would make sure that you get exercise at least 2 or 3 times a week. And when you're premenopausal, you just really need to clue in the fact that, you know, you may be having a lot of symptoms and they can be bothersome, but they can also be, you know, somewhat dangerous in terms of making you more vulnerable. So don't just, you know, motor through and, you know, try to get through it without getting help. Definitely go talk to a doctor who's well versed in these
1: things. And Annie, you actually have a shopping list that we can share with our listeners, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes,
0: favorite brain healthy foods. Absolutely. I
1: love that. I love that. We're going to post that um, below this so that all of our listeners can can get that too cuz I've used it myself. It's wonderful. Cuz you know, even if you think you're eating healthy, there's always some things that, you know, you're probably not getting or that your body's not getting that it could that will just help you more.
0: Yes. And also know, this is a hot area of research the issue of women's vulnerability to Alzheimer's, especially at menopause. So I'm keeping a really close eye on all the scientific studies and I can update you as they come out.
1: I know you will. There's, there's nothing that's going on with women in medicine that you're not going to keep us very well versed <laughs> on. I feel very safe and comforted in that. Annie, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just you know, pay
0: attention, take care of your brain. It's never too early to take care of your brain.
1: Yeah. I mean, ladies, whoever's out there listening and, you know, if you think you're in your mid to late thirties and this doesn't apply to you, this applies to you, Especially, especially once you hit 40, now is the time to really kind of take control of this and, you know, hopefully hit some of these things off at the pass. I mean, my goodness, if we could reverse two thirds of women getting Alzheimer's, um, with just some simple hormone replacement therapy and eating right, it's a big win. Amazing that's the goal. Thank, Thank you, you for coming so me much. In. Thank Great you. Pleasure. We'll see you next week, okay, for our next brain bite.